Code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis. And I'm Heather Artis. Thanks for joining us for Minute 17 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. We plan to have a bonus episode available on Saturday or maybe Sunday covering the Dead Men Tell No Tales trailer and teaser trailer. So keep an eye out for that as we begin to gear up for the release of the new movie in May. Woohoo! Thank you for that. As far as the Curse of the Black Pearl, things are really getting exciting now, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm bummed that we're on minute 17 and no official revelation or introduction of Mr. Smith's real name. No, nope, still we've Mr. Talked Smith. About that, but man, that's a bummer. <laughs> but I think I can hold out until next week for the big reveal, and I can finally stop tripping over myself and trying to remember, am I supposed to call him blank or Mr. Smith or pirate? Yeah, it's really you, annoying, actually. You've, you've really slipped multiple times. Hey, you know, I'm sure the whole audience out there is going, why do they keep calling him Mr. Smith? They got, a, <laughs> they got an idiot rule. <laughs> Their rule is pretty dumb. They should just say, we all know who it is. We've all seen the movie. I mean, it's a billion dollar franchise for God's sakes. Well, <laughs> besides that, and then the story's officially started and we're going to find out where things are going now with all the pieces we have so far. Our pieces of eight, if we want to call it that. Oh, yeah. Boom. <laughs> In the previous minute, though, Elizabeth responding to Norrington, I can't breathe, to which Norrington says that he is a bit nervous himself, just as she plunges off the fort and into the sea below, narrowly missing death. some rocks. She didn't die. <laughs> we don't know that yet. Yes, we do in this minute. <laughs> While in the water, her pirate medallion sends a shockwave across the ocean, which results in a change in the wind, now blowing towards Port Royal as Elizabeth sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Now, in minute 17, it begins with Mr. Smith rescuing Elizabeth from her potentially watery grave as he brings her to the surface after removing her dress. The minute ends with Norrington running onto the dock, drawing his sword and pointing it directly at the pirate rescuer, telling him to get on his feet just after Elizabeth coughs up some water. Oh, man. So this is an exciting minute. We get to find out if the pirate has made it in time to save Elizabeth. But you just said she did. He did. <laughs> so good for Elizabeth. Exactly. Our, our chivalrous pirate yes. went in the water yeah. for her. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> I just throw that in since she stole my thunder from last time. <laughs> so when the pirate is down at the bottom of the ocean, he pulls Elizabeth up. But he gets to the top and starts trying to swim and... It's just too heavy. Her dress is just way too much. So they end up having to dump the dress. And so um, I did a little research on dresses. Just a little. Isn't that called shopping? Yeah. Oh, (laughs) that would be awesome. No shopping. (laughs) So dresses during this time had what was called a paneer. Oh, wait. Actually, before you go, I did want to clear up something from yesterday we talked about the rocks and we had a bet on other rocks that were in the ocean when jack or jack i already said it when our mr smith dives in to go get her and we see the splash zone from the interceptor and i did review it and i was i'll just say semi wrong no 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 no. i'm saying wrong scott was wrong heather was right i'm saying partly wrong 
So no, you I don't were see wrong. All the, I don't see all the rocks that I saw. So that was that a mistake in my notes. It was, it was a mistake in my notes, and that's why I no, had no, no, that no, no. you don't see all the rocks from up top. You had, but you had, you you didn't there see was, any. I did see a couple of rocks that you could see that were poking just barely above the water. So I did want to say that the captain has admitted that he is slightly wrong. Not slightly. He was it's wrong. It's a matter of perspective. He was wrong. It's a matter of perspective. But I wanted to throw that in before we got too far into the show. Didn't want to bury the lead, if you will, for your, for your <laughs> sake at the end of the show. So now you can go on with your, your dress shopping. My paneer? Exactly. <laughs> so the paneer was tied at the waist under the skirts to give a woman the look of wider hips or more um, shape. Huh. But my question is, why did they want wider hips? We want smaller hips these days. You know, I have gotten out of the game of trying to figure out what women want. So I'm just going to take it from you. Okay. And go from I'd there. rather have smaller ones, not these big old wide ones. So I also wanted to mention that Elizabeth's pannier was actually quite small. Some of the panniers were so wide that women had to actually walk sideways through double doors. Wow. Yeah, they were huge, like 10 feet long. That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what i thought that's circus like that's, that's a that's a little over the top right <laughs> yeah imagine I guess trying to get really, on a plane with that oh well you couldn't you could <laughs> they said that to sit on a couch nobody else could basically sit on a huh. couch or like a bench They they were the only ones i could sit on a bench wow. because it, these paneers were so wide especially for the real rich people they were those were the wider ones they're actually made of wood whalebone metal or reeds so I'd have to imagine that this would add to the weight of all the layers of brocaded silk that the dress was actually made of. Yeah, I don't know how much you know whalebone in that weighs, but yeah, that definitely that would could add be to metal the though, and, and all that kind of stuff would definitely add to the weight of that stuff for sure. And on top of it, there had to be extra fabric because you're covering these big old hips. <laughs> <laughs> and to reach the ground, so you have to have all that extra fabric. So the dress is actually, it was all the fabric and the underneath stuff that weighed so much that the pirate wasn't able to swim very well with her and that, all that dress and stuff. Yeah, apparently Kira Knightley thought that the part, she actually came up to the writers and said that she removes her dress or when the pirate removes her dress in the water that it was just a gratuitous scene until she actually got in the water and realized that with this huge heavy dress on she realized that swimming did become pretty difficult and you couldn't really swim in it so it became really this you know she basically complimented the writers for saying how well it worked and it was a necessity for the realism of the show to do that and then she went on to say that though or the writers went on to say that when the scene on the dock where he actually cuts the corset off of her, now that was gratuitous. <laughs> but but I think that that still was, it just wasn't a gratuitous scene for that. But I think it actually served to increase the realism of that shot as well. I mean, we already discussed multiple times of how the corset or what I'm now calling the corset of death that she was wearing <laughs> was not just a symbol of like societal restrictions on her, but was literally repressing her ability to breathe. Yeah. Thus, to get her to start breathing, you know, he had to remove that thing. Right. You know, it was like an entity upon her. Well, to once she, he removed it, it actually, she was able to breathe then right yeah, away. She, she I mean, she coughed up the water and was yeah, doing that. But yeah. Yeah. So I thought that that was funny that the writers said, no, not that one's not gratuitous. This one is gratuitous, but yeah. that one wasn't. And, and she was <laughs> like, yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that it was a neat shot. With the dress floating to the bottom of the water, they're swimming up to the top, 
And then you have all these fish. What are you, stealing my thunder again? <laughs> you have all the fish swimming and the, the sky's starting to darken up. It was just the most awesome shot. I think the best shot I've actually seen. Yeah, I wanted, me to, I wanted to be in the water at yeah, that point. Yeah, me uh, too. Yeah, because it's really this crystal clear water. We have Elizabeth, the pirate. The sun is shining through, as you're saying. And then, like, between us and the camera, all these little cool Caribbean fish are swimming by. And I thought, man, I really want to be there yeah. at that point. So I thought that was a really nice artistic shot on that it scene. It was. And we were talking about the corset being cut off of her. And Mulroy says that he would have never thought of that. And Mr. Smith responds, clearly you've never been to Singapore. And so I thought, man, what is going on with Singapore in the 18th century that that's his go-to phrase? Yeah, I was wondering that too. I mean, Did I you did find use, something? Well, I didn't. You know, I think that you could really dive into some some crazy things that happened in the 18th century and stuff. But, you know, especially with Singapore and some other places, and just actually a lot of places. But what I thought he was really talking about there is he was implying that the guard had never really had any need to disrobe a woman or to disrobe her quickly. Right. And as a pirate, maybe, you know, ours here, he's done so with a knife at some point. I mean, we've already heard oh. about his you know, rape, pillage, plunder, that kind of stuff. Right. And so, or just in general, maybe he's found the need to remove a corslet quickly before, <laughs> uh, given that he mentioned Singapore, probably is a reference to maybe to prostitution or some, maybe oh. some of where he's traveled before. So that could possibly play into it because especially prostitutes, I imagine were probably wearing corsets to make themselves more attractive as well. And probably, so, yeah. Uh, or it could be something, you know, this is a Disney movie too, but it is the first PG-13. So maybe it was something just a bit more innocent in that he, He's had plenty of experience seeing ladies get undressed before. I don't know how much more innocent that is. Uh, and thus knows that corsets are a diabolical piece of clothing. So he knows that they constrict breathing. And so maybe he gathered, okay, you know, women wear these in this day. And she's probably wearing one. And so, oh, actually he can see that she's yeah, wearing she, one. And yeah. he knows that they restrict breathing or that they have that reputation for doing so. And he just knew that to take it off. Yeah. And did you notice that when Mulroy says he never would have thought about that? Well, this got me thinking. This shows you that men just don't know what or realize how uncomfortable some of women's clothing is. I don't think we want to know. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to wear all that tight stuff. <laughs> then don't wear it. <laughs> But what I did notice is that Murtaugh, he has a crazy look on his face when he catches the corset after it's thrown. Oh, yeah. Like, it's like, oh. I'm holding I... women's garments. Yeah, I'm not supposed to be doing this. These are their unmentionables, <laughs> yeah. as you would call it. And I'm not supposed to be handling this, let alone Elizabeth's corset. That's Governor Swan. Right. That's Norrington's fancy <laughs> and so he really gets this this is not a real proper thing for me to be doing as he starts to and then he kind of examines it so he's like oh what is this yeah so i think it gets he's never to, seen one of those yeah before. it gets back to what uh you know pirate said about him not being or those two in general right. haven't been to singapore and they haven't handled ladies unmentionables so yes that's how i kind of see that but i think the big moment here is at least for the audience is when he picks up the medallion off Elizabeth's chest, and clearly this has really piqued his interest. He even asks her where she got it, and I think it just alludes to that he knows something about this. Oh, thing. he's recognized that yeah. that medallion before. You know, he's seen it, and he knows there's a story behind that medallion. Yeah, she even gets like a scared look on her face when he finds it, like, or when he holds oh, it. Oh, no, somebody's yeah. seen it, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I guess, you know, does that come back to the stuff we've talked about with just pirate or her wearing pirate stuff in general? Or, you know, why is it that she's scared that this, that he recognizes or is looking at this medallion? Maybe again, I don't want to rehash the stuff that we've talked about right. in old shows, but it's really interesting that after eight years that she still doesn't want people to see that or she's really concerned that he saw that. Yeah. And Norrington, this guy isn't pleased at all. Oh, what's up with him? Yeah. He comes up. This this pirate just saved his woman. And he comes up totally ticked off. Yeah. I think the normal reaction to someone saving his love interest life is, you know, hey, thanks. Not, you know, he's mad or, you know, he wants to, oh, yeah. to run him through with his, his sword. You know, he is. I don't know. Is he upset that he's like seen his woman without her dress and corset? I I don't know. He's completely angry. I mean, or is he mad that he didn't rescue her? Is like I should have been the one to jump off that that dang cliff. Maybe he, you know, he walked up and Elizabeth's in her slip, basically, yeah. and all wet. And he's like, "Well," and this pirate's there, and maybe he's just wondering why she has no clothes on and. You know, that makes her angry. I, I, I have that's, no clue. He's just extremely angry at this point in yeah, time. Yeah, that's the thing. Maybe it's Or is it just the pirate? Maybe that's what it is. Because he's already upset at the situation and you're scared. However yeah. You want to do it. And then the a pirate who he loathes is that the one who actually saves his woman or his, what he wants to be his woman. Right. And so I think maybe that is part of it. Too, that he just really hates pirates and then this guy is clearly a pirate or at least he thinks he's a pirate the way he's dressed and now i have to, to i owe this guy something he goes that and that in his mind is just ridiculous yeah and, and i think norrington knows pirates <laughs> <laughs> everybody else keeps doesn't really acknowledge that he's a pirate but norrington i think he's like yeah this is a pirate yeah, I mean, he pretty much stands out in the crowd on the as much as oh, we yeah. talked about him wanting to blend in and not be noticed, but would be un- upset if somebody didn't notice him or offended if somebody didn't notice him. Yeah, I think that you can pretty much say, okay, that's a pirate right there. Yeah. And, and speaking of the medallion, the weather definitely turned as well. It's not just the wind, but we had we had a hot blazing sun that yeah. caused her to, to you know to fall off right. this cliff and this fort. Now it's overcast. Clouds are rolling in and the fog has appeared. And I dare I want to say it's an unnatural fog. And that's really just my tribute to Gibbs for the week since he's been MIA for the last couple of weeks. Man, am I missing Gibbs. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I want Gibbs back. So yeah, the weather is completely changed oh, yeah. now and it's a different thing. And so actually I didn't even do any look on that. I don't know how they, you know, did they time it for the scenes to make sure it was overcast on the film day? Or, oh, that's a, know, that's really good. Yeah. How, huh. they, how they had it changed that day or they, they keep the weather on hand and... Huh. Yeah, that's that's Plan interesting. filming around it. But yeah, they did a good job on, on oh, yeah. that whole transition there. It sure. looks like this the storm is coming in. A big bad storm, you know. A big bad storm. Big bad storm. And as we're kind of talking about some of the, the little details here, you know, I also wanted to talk about our pirate's hair for a second. And so while rescuing Elizabeth from that stranglehold corset of death while she was on the dock, we get a nice close look of his hair, kind of that real close up of of Johnny's face and his character. Yeah. And a few things I noticed and was, you know, able to track down is, and you had been asking me about a piece in his hair too. And so the first is this whitest long piece dangling from his hair. Oh yeah. And that's deer bone 
and it's seen holding his ponytail on the right side of his head. Oh, really? It's a shin bone from a reindeer, actually, that has been carved into a marlin spiker fid, which is used to mend sails and rigging. Huh. So yeah. it's a handy little thing he's got hanging in his hair. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so it has a purpose huh. there, at least, you know, as a decoration and stuff. And then wow. it has another purpose. And then there's also, at the end of his bead string, on the left side is a crescent moon and star coin. And it turns out that it's a half rupee coin from Pakistan. Apparently it's a mid-20th century coin design, though, that was issued around the 1940s or 50s. And it makes an interesting trink, and I think it works well on his, yeah. his design and his costuming. Uh, but it, so I think it has enough touch, uh, kind of that nice touch. But apparently he is a time traveler. But there's nothing wrong with a, <laughs> a pirate time traveler though. To have a 1940s coin on there, and visiting Pakistan. So a couple of things. Maybe his tiny little sinking boat actually is the time traveling device he uses. Well, that's possible. Yeah. <laughs> And the storm or the medallion causes some kind of space-time continuum. It's like a, you know, a, a wormhole that opens up that, that brings them to the different times, points in time. But either way, I think, you know, if he's down on his luck and we've seen that he maybe has, you know, all he has to really do is look to his hair and his dreadlocks for something to repair his sails or his rigging. Uh-huh. And then he, if he needs that shot of rum to get him through the rest of the day, he can just pull a coin pull from coin. His, his dreadlocks as well. <laughs> I don't know if this pirate would ever actually have to do such a thing. No, he. Pretty I'm sure much he can con. find somebody to get him a drink. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm pretty sure he can con drinks out of people yeah. if he needed to, Some or way. just walk away with it. I mean, he can just walk right up to a podium and take a bag full of coins. So yeah, somebody wouldn't yeah, I'm notice. Sure he's able to do that. Yeah. Do you have anything else before I hit our Friday segment? I have a quote from Kira Knightley. Well, then bring it on. Don't be waiting over there. So she says the great thing about Elizabeth Swan is that she has. This obsession with pirates. Yeah, she does. <laughs> so we get to, we've seen in the beginning her pirate obsession when she was just a child. And then she's got this medallion, which she's been wearing all day. That's right. So we we really see, we're seeing this obsession just evolve, actually. Well, now she's going to be meeting another pirate. and We don't know how many pirates she's met in the past or seen in Port Royal. Right. But, yeah, now she's coming face-to-face with the pirate. Right. He actually saved her life, which gives... Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know where I was going. (laughs) (laughs) What? So this plays into her thought that pirates aren't bad. It's possible, This guy actually saved her life. He jumped in the water to actually save her life. Or maybe they're even Steven now, because she saved a pirate, which she thought was Will Turner. Right. She probably came to realize that he wasn't really a pirate, but... He had a pirate medallion on. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, now she's been saved by a pirate for sure. So maybe pirates aren't all that bad. Pirates aren't all that bad. At least that she's thinking, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I also started to think, and I haven't fully developed it yet, but if there's some kind of theory about the coin that she's had, or that medallion that she's had in her possession all this time, that's been calling to her through her dreams. So this this medallion... Because obviously it's got some magical power of some sort. That's right, because with the shockwave that goes out, we know that there's some kind of connection or it has something that draws something to it or does something. So she's had this, say, in her bedroom for all this time. Yeah. And then for some reason it starts up, she has a dream. Uh Uh-huh. And then right after the dream she wakes up, she goes and puts the medallion on. So the medallion's been hidden. She has, it's been calling to her. She puts it on. 
then maybe you know the medallion has a is a calendar stone from the Aztecs. It has different you know kind of sun stuff representation. Maybe it was it knows the time of the year. It makes it really hot. So she then is is really hot and has trouble breathing, and she's up there, and then mm. she plummets into the water. So it kind of maybe it has some powers to throw her into the water. So it's calling her down into the depths, and it creates huh. this whole chain reaction of stuff. I haven't really fully developed it yet, but now I'm, tr- I'm trying to get into the conspiracy theory of uh, yeah. of this. There's also, and, and the reason why is I've been listening to some other podcasts, the Indiana Jones Minute, actually, and they talk about, and this is a theory that's been out there too, but they talk about how basically you have Han Solo. You said Indiana Jones, yeah, right? Yeah, I did, so wait for it. So Han Solo, or Indiana Jones, the character Indiana Jones, yeah. because they're both played by Harrison Ford. Right. So you have Indiana Jones is a dream of Han Solo. So Indiana Jones is Han Solo's dream. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. So there's a whole thing that you can get into about that theory. And and it's funny because, and I'll just leave you with this, is that there's an Easter egg in the temple in the very beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark where there's some hieroglyphics. And if you look closely, there's an R2-D2-C-3PO hieroglyphic. Oh, really? And so the whole theory is, is that Indiana Jones is Han Solo's dream. Huh. That's interesting. So I'll just leave it there. If you want to look more, go to Indiana Jones Minute. But obviously, we want you to stay here, continue to listen to Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. But I figured, man, if they can have a theory that's out there, we really need to have one as well. So I'm really starting to try and put the fine touches on how this medallion really works into this calling Elizabeth and starting this whole thing. Because so far, Elizabeth is really going to be the protagonist of this whole movie. And, And she's really starting the ball rolling of everything. So... I think, you know, hey, Pirates of the Caribbean is just as good. So we need to have ourselves a theory, <laughs> a fan theory out there to to move forward and to promote. So I'll continue to develop it. I'll actually put some thought in it other than a few seconds. And then we'll go from there and I'll share it with everybody. So basically what, more evidence. what you're saying is our medallion can actually put subconscious thoughts into Elizabeth's mind and has actually been an instrumental part and all the events that have taken place. Possibly, yes. Okay. So we'll have to see where that goes. <laughs> Let's not get too crazy yet until we get it fully developed. <laughs> so yeah, so we'll save that and, and move forward and see. Because we need to develop the rest of the movie too to see yes. where it goes and, and what kind of powers this thing actually has to, to make that happen. But that's uh, something I'm tinkering with and we'll, we'll see what's out there. Okay, can't wait to, <laughs> we'll see what to happens. venture on with the coin or with the medallion. That's right. <laughs> so really bad eggs and i think this is what brings us you know if we're talking theories and that kind of stuff now it's time for our really bad eggs friday segment and that's where each of us highlight our favorite line over the last week or the last five minutes so have we had any um quotes come in from our listeners i haven't seen any yet so i know I, we want everybody to share their favorite lines out there so just go on facebook or twitter or send us an email at podcast at blackpearlminute.com and let us know what your favorite line is from the past say 17 minutes you know or the past 17 minutes yeah. we'll be happy to share those in this segment and it's something we do every friday we're starting up mind you we're only in our you know second or third week of this show and it's the second week of this segment. Yeah. So, but definitely we'd love to have your input and, and get you to feel part of the show by joining in with that. So, yeah, we'd love to share your thoughts and your um, quotes here. Exactly. So, no surprise for me, 
It has to be my quote or my line of the week is Mulroy from minute 13, which carries over partly into minute 14 when we get our first taste of the legend of the Black Pearl. The line is, you've seen a ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned and captained by a man so evil that hell itself spat him back out. Well, I'm going to, you know, let's revel in this in all its glory and let Mulroy say it in this clip. You've seen a ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned and captained by a man so evil that hell itself spat him back out. So as I said previously, this really sums up a number of things for me. It's legend mixed with reality and conjures a bit of nostalgia for Blackbeard, at least personally, as we've seen in the movies and books, as well as the supernatural of the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. So we're kind of seeing all of that in that one quick little rhyme or nursery rhyme right. or le piece of legend or haiku, as I called it at one point. We, we know it's not really a haiku, <laughs> but I'm just trying to uh, like a short verse and something that would be easily remembered. And so I think that this really sums it up. And it's I think it's yeah. a great start, especially since it's almost like the prologue to our stories getting started. As we mentioned, minute 16 and stuff was really when our story gets started. Yeah. And this line precedes just precedes that in the in the last few minutes. So I think it's really setting it's really setting the scene that hey our story's about to get started and here you go here's our preface setting the the you know the expectation of what we're going to find here and maybe it's going to have some supernatural stuff to it which is pretty cool which we did see with the medallion hitting the water. Yes we did. My quote for the week. I'm going to go back to, you know, kind of the first couple of days also. And my favorite quote was Unless, of course, he knew you wouldn't believe the truth, even if he was telling the truth. <laughs> now, this goes back to Scott's um, verbal jujitsu. <laughs> this just shows you that he's trying to keep them guessing. He doesn't really want these two Marines or anybody to know the real truth. So he's kind of playing games with them and just keep them guessing. Yeah, he's, he's engaging in a battle of wits for sure oh, with yeah. these guys. yeah. And yeah, so this this is I think that's also a great scene. And I think both of these scenes actually play off really well with the characters. Yeah. And and, it, and they couldn't have happened if you didn't have Murtog and Mulroy there. Yeah. In this level of absurdity and in, in their in their world. And I think that's what really makes it so they're you know, you just believe them and they seem likable. They have that, as we said, that naivety. Uh, but it really creates that great scene and then helps with the, you know, get the story moving and the plot along. So yeah. that is it for me. Me too. So yeah, send us your comments and, and all that fun stuff. And we're happy to share and read those on, on board. We love that the audience is growing and, you know, so any feedback is, is perfect and we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back this weekend with our bonus episode of the review of the Dead Men Tell No Tales trailer and teaser trailer. And again on Monday with Minute 18 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. Arr there, matey! Thanks for joining us on Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. If you like the show, then leave us a review on iTunes. We'd appreciate it, matey. You can contact us at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. We just might feature your questions and comments on future episodes. Visit us online at blackpearlminute.com. You can also find us on facebook.com slash pirates of the Caribbean minute, twitter.com slash blackpearlmen, and on soundcloud.com slash pirates of the Caribbean, where we post additional content, have episode discussions, and share our favorite show clips. Now see you next time, scallywags.